0: Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese, I'm your host. Joining me today on this November 17, 2018 edition, I've got James Galizio. Hello. Hello. And we've got the return of Kazuma Hashimoto.
1: Hey, what's up?
0: Hey, thanks a lot for showing up. Uh, Much appreciated, as always. Uh, We could really use with your expertise today because we've got something to talk about in the news, but obviously it's always great to have you around regardless uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's one of those weeks where, and James, you mentioned this while we were off there, but of course that there isn't a lot of news, but what is there is pretty significant for a variety of reasons. And so that's something that we're definitely going to get into today. Everything from, uh, game announcements to localization news to, uh, industry news. That's probably going to be pretty, um, Pretty substantial heading into the new year, but before we get into all that, we always like to talk about the games that we've been playing for uh, the past week, and so first up, I'll have it begin with you, James, because you just had a stream for this game on our Twitch channel, but you've been playing some Pokemon Let's Go. Uh, You got the Eevee edition, correct?
2: Yes, uh, we did receive a launch day review copy for Let's Go Eevee, and uh, I waited until the stream today to actually start because i figured it would be more appropriate um, to kind of start off the stream with beginning the game mm-hmm. uh went through about two hours with my roommates uh did a bit of the co-op which it makes the game a joke i'm just going to be honest <laughs> no joke <laughs> right, it's, I uh, two pokemon on your side versus one on theirs <laughs> go figure <laughs> um two on one a handicap that, <laughs> that's it. uh so that was fun um don't have too much to talk about because i've only again played it for like two hours it it very much is the spinoff everyone was expecting it's squarely in the middle between pokemon go and the mainline series of games um a lot of emphasis on catching a bunch of pokemon the battle system is close to the uh, same complexity of of the mainline games but no hold items, I believe. No abilities and stuff like that. But uh, definitely have been enjoying it so far. Still very early. Only have one gym badge. Yeah. But uh, um, also, thankfully, got to play a bit with the Pokeball Plus just about an hour and a half ago. Because um, after the stream, my, fr- uh, my roommate basically said, hey, I think I'm going to buy this. And then we went to Best Buy and used my Gamers Club unlocked that it's still active until next august yeah bundle for him so
0: i'm jealous i'm jealous because Got yeah it's, guide it's... out
2: for that and uh yeah everything else i've played is either super spoiler filled i.e Move love or something that i am not allowed to talk about yet <laughs>
0: <laughs> soon enough you would definitely be able to talk about that yeah it's like considering well, the fact not even next week yeah, it's not going to be for a while. But you know, considering uh, it's something that we're both playing, in fact. But uh, considering yep. uh, Amazon got rid of their uh, Prime discount for buying a game before uh, to pre-ordering a game before launch, the uh, the twenty percent off any pre-order, uh, they straight up just changed it to a credit, just like Best Buy did when they got rid of their Gamers Club membership program. Uh, they
2: actually had that in addition to a Gamers Club before.
0: Yes, they did, uh, but that was only specific games, and Amazon's fallen back to that very same thing, yeah. so it's like they, they both kind of followed each other back, <laughs> like, retread their steps, which is a damn shame, and I hope that somebody else comes up with a program to make up for that, like, Best Buy needs to put their Gamers Club back into place, because, honestly, I'm surprised they got rid of it, considering I assume they were making a ton of money from memberships, and service. services always net you a lot larger margin than the margin you make from video games alone. So uh, I wonder what's going to happen with that. Anywho, um, that's cool. That's good to hear. Uh, Obviously, as you said, visual novels are very hard to talk about because of the spoilers, and uh, people will hate you for it, and so I don't blame you for not really talking much about it, uh, because I understand completely from someone who loves those games too. So let's turn then to Kazuma. Uh, I see here, uh, we'll get to the next game in a bit, but uh, you've been playing some Diablo 3. Did you pick, uh, are you playing like the latest, uh, the Eternal Collection or anything like that? Eternal, what is it, what it was called?
1: Yeah, I, um, after all the reviews I did, I was like, I need to find a game that I can just kind of like play mindlessly. Yes. So I picked up the Eternal Collection on PS4 and I owned Diablo 3 at launch on PC. Oof, Yeah. So yeah, I I remember that. Like I remember how different that was and how they had that market where you could like buy things for real money. The auction else.
0: Yeah, I I reviewed yeah. it and I went through that too. So yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. what you mean.
1: Yeah. Um so this is actually pretty good, I think, in terms of like a PC to console port. And it's just like a lot of fun in general. Like it's really satisfying just watching all the numbers, like go over your screen and easily like take down enemies i got carried by some guy who popped into one of my streams he was like level 1362 or something oh my god i have no idea but that was on his like seasonal (laughs) character so i don't know what his normal character is like um but that was like super fun yeah and just like carried completely through that game and just enjoying it and just actually playing where i can sit back and relax and just not think about anything
0: oh my god that's insane that's intense um because yeah there's definitely people that i know that have continued to play that game since launch and they've gone through all the expansions and picked it to, picked up all the different editions including that switch one but that's that's kind of that's kind of amazing that's kind of amazing and that and that game is definitely uh you know despite some of the issues it had I continue to hear people having amazing co-op experiences with that. So I think that's what really carried it all these years. And next year, potentially a Diablo 4 could be amazing. Um, Actually, I want to actually talk about this other game that you've been playing some of as well, because we're on this topic anyway about this top-down action RPG. Um, Mm -hmm. We were going to mention that you know Lost Ark, which is a Korean-made game that was announced at G-Star back in, I believe, 2014 um i think
1: it was 2013
0: 2013 actually, yeah that's right i remember actually i had to correct sit uh adam because of that uh because we tweeted about it when it was first announced but yeah it's um it's an incredible looking game and some people at the time thought it was all cg and then they were showing actual gameplay and a trailer that they showed a little bit after it was announced and it still looked pretty damn good and so you know five years later uh almost to the day it's like a week after it was if we're counting by the days uh but you got in on that open beta that we kind of slow sort of hinted at last week on the last podcast because it opened up um but of course since then we've heard the news that you know they they are they're looking to bring it to the west to, to release it in english uh but i'd love to hear your thoughts on lost ark
1: oh shit lost ark yeah so um i actually was able to get in because i have friends in south korea um that I made when I was playing League of Legends I think. And they were like, "Oh no, like don't worry, we'll make you an account because I think right now like to get an account like you have to basically like pay and they're really hiking up the prices for it, like Ugh. I think $30 or something to like get an account." Oh god. Um but it's I'd say it's probably the best top-down like ARPG I've ever played in terms of like the versatility of the classes, the different kinds of builds you can have. Wow. Just the graphics and the music is incredible. Um I don't speak Korean, by the way. Uh, so anyone asks us to translate articles, like I'm sorry, I can't do that. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> all. I was like, nope. Yeah. yeah, I have I have friends who do this for me, or I look up like a guide online because someone's actually translated all of the skills, like online.
0: Wow, quick.
1: Um, yeah, they were just like immediately. There's even like an install guide and everything for people that are like out of region. You need, like a VPN and everything because it's completely locked down. Um, so for Lost Ark, I play the monk class, like the hand to hand class, and. Um it it's strange because like I immediately associate it with Blade and Soul with like the kinds of skills I have and how like how you can combo and build everything really differently. Yeah. But it has a sort of like Diablo camera angle. So it has all the feelings of like a traditional MMO, just a different like angle. And there's just like so much to do in the game. Like I don't I don't think I've seen anybody hit endgame yet because like there's just so much postgame content. Like once you hit the level cap.
0: Wow, that's good. That's really important yeah. to have it, especially in a beta.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Daka, he's playing. I think the knight class, and I'm gonna ask him and see how he feels about that. But they also already have like in-game cash shop purchases you can make in the open test beta. So this mm-hmm. is basically like the finished game. Oh. But I suggest checking it out, like, looking at YouTube videos for those listening that don't know what Lost Ark is. They showed it in 2013, and this was, like, shortly after NCSoft actually announced Lineage Eternal, which would have had the same ARPG camera combat system if it hadn't been changed to Project TL. That's right. So, like, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people thought that they were going to compete with each other and that Lost Ark was going to, like, take over Lineage Eternal, like, just completely just, like, snuff it out. Um, because there are so many more classes in lost Ark than there are in um LA eternal so oh
0: yeah. oh absolutely <laughs> yeah. i 've seen i 've seen the guides for that stuff it 's insane it 's because like I've only heard really good things about Lost Ark which is great because anytime you see a game like that you're always kind of hesitant because Terra for example I remember seeing for years and years and Bless online is the same way and it just kind of fell apart I mean it does it has gone through some of the same issues when it comes to server problems and all that but otherwise um, just a very positive feeling, and when we shared our news post about the um, the open beta, the the localization possibilities, uh, it was being shared by some huge names um, on Twitch and YouTube and, and elsewhere, so it looks like there's going to be a lot of excitement if that ever does come over, and it seems like that game ha- already has sort of an audience here that's really looking forward to it.
1: I think this is mostly because like when the open test beta happened this was right after they announced that Diablo Immortal was going to be a phone game.
0: That's true. That's... So everyone
1: was like, "Oh no, I guess we're all just going to go play Lost Ark instead because Diablo 4 isn't coming out, I guess, soon or whenever Blizzard plans on announcing it." So, yeah. everyone who is interested in like Diablo type games or Diablo S games is just flopping to Lost Ark. That's like really a lot of what i've seen on twitch people yeah. like even naming their lost arc streams like diablo 4 and everything like while they're <laughs> people playing people
0: responding with eh. you know, that too i see that in the comments of our of our post. Yeah. like this is what diablo 4 should be um but it looks like looks like what diablo 4 would be and because it's so damn impressive which actually um well, the problem with like diablo 3 for example you were talking about the terms of content i mean so far since with all the updates and such there has been a lot of content added to diablo 3 with like a new act and all but it still is kind of on the short end if you compare it to a game like diablo 2 um so like uh, lost ark to hear that it's it's such a the scale is so massive i mean obviously it has to be for the type of game it is but if that's the way it is right now. At such an early age, by the time dl four comes out, I can only imagine what the size of Lost Ark would be with them adding new content since then.
1: Yeah, they'll they'll probably continue like free content days as well. Uh, yeah. From what I've heard, and I don't know if this is true. This is just information that's been told to me, so this is not a hundred percent. But Lost Ark was in development for apparently like seven years, and it had like a hundred million dollars poured into it. So like, it's not a low budget game. No, it's like, <laughs> oh. yeah, it's oh. a really high quality game. Like i haven't encountered any bugs um any graphical errors or glitches um everything flows together really seamlessly so like it's really really polished just for like the standard like arpg and this is a very popular game format in korea as well
0: oh yeah i mean it's also fun to watch like if you go and check out the streams for for lost ark it's just a lot of fun to watch like even if you're not playing it yourself you're like you can tell You can tell by looking at it, and that's the way it looked back when it was first announced. When we shared it uh, on our Twitter, people were already excited about it at that point, and you could tell how much care was put into that game. And you know, five years, like I mentioned, since then, it clearly has only been seeing vast improvements. But you know, hundred million dollars for an MMO, that number actually isn't too surprising to me because that's kind of what you would consider to be a, a, but to be fair, like a big budget MMO. So I mean, that's that's still a lot of money, Uh, and it. the idea of them bringing it over to the West, it only makes sense from their perspective. Clearly, they've got to recoup the cost somehow, but I'm sure all this um, positive reaction to seeing it open beta, even from the West, must be very reassuring.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think they really noticed when there was like a sudden influx of players that weren't from Korea, um, <laughs> <Spickers>. <laughs> like very clearly weren't from Korea. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so i think it's it's been pretty interesting watching this game just kind of explode but again i think the announcement of diablo immortal really helped that i don't i think if they had announced diablo 4 this would have just mostly stayed a korean game yeah and i don't think people would have wanted it to be as international like as badly as they do right now
0: oh absolutely um so yeah i I just wanted to make sure that we discussed that because uh like i said you're the only person i can really talk to right now that i know that's that has been playing it that also speaks English, <laughs> so it's it's nice to nice to have your perspective on things. And I am very very much excited to, to check it out for myself. And so uh, I uh, hope that you continue to share your thoughts on that. But the other game you've been playing is World of Fauna Fantasy Maxima that recently came out. I know you and Adam both have been trying it out uh, with the updates. And also, what are your thoughts been on that game?
1: Well, I know Adam doesn't like it at all. Like no, he, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he really dislikes no. it. <laughs> Um I I don't know how I feel about it. Like I feel like it's a game, like it's kind of there if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um it hasn't done anything wrong. It's just not exactly involving. It's not anything that I actually really enjoyed. I do like the Final Fantasy series a lot. I've also been playing Zodiac Age on the side just because like I bought it and I love Zodiac Age. I love Final <laughs> Fantasy 12. Um yeah. Huge Final Fantasy fan, but um there's i don't know like it's entertaining and it's fun and it's cute and it's kind of sweet it doesn't really take itself too seriously there are a lot of like really the the writing in it i think is really nice because it kind of makes fun of itself and a lot of tropes that the final fantasy series falls into like there's like a there was like this screenshot i posted where like this character was like is this simply our fate like um is the cookie like meant to crumble or something like that? like it was like really funny um, and it was just it was just it's fun like it's clearly for children um, i don't know um,
0: it's, it's it's i yeah, mean I, like, I i I can tell i mean it's got a cutie style to it, and i've been seeing a lot of people taking screenshots because they've been also been playing Maxima um, mm-hmm. obviously for a lot of them it's for the very first time, and so they have be having a good time with it uh like was it you can actually see like the Shinwa building in one of the shots which i thought was pretty <laughs> pretty amazing uh people making the comment that that's the Fauna fantasy 7 remake and this is a shot of that um i have not yet played that game though i don't know why i do own it and so i need to get around to playing it eventually uh but you know uh I think it's probably just because it's it's a little... Is it, like, too basic or something? is that, I, think, I actually don't really know why Adam is so opposed to the game, honestly.
1: It's not basic at all because, like, the stacking system is really unique in the way that um, you combine skills, kind of like the Crystal Chronicle series, but, like, through your monsters. So for, say, like, I have a Chocobo and, like, a Carbuncle and both know Cure, then I'll have Cura unlocked. So I need all three characters to know Cure to get Curaga, for example. <laughs> And each little monster has its own license board, and you also have to manage like the size of the monsters, like a small monster, medium monster, a large monster, and like where you fit in between that, and how you're going to utilize those skills. Like I have Valfor in my party, and it's a large monster, so I have to use the small, medium-sized version of a character to sit on Valfor, and then have like the small version of Ifrit on my head to use some certain skills I want. So. There's a lot of versatility regarding like builds and how you want to play the game with your party. It's just, the game's just kind of there. Like the story's wow. not great. Um, there's a lot of exposition that's just kind of like, that doesn't need to be given. There's no history <laughs> in the world. Like the, the beginning is literally like, oh, hey, like this white haired woman shows up and she's god, Um, or she's like anime god or whatever. Uh, Go to this world and figure shit out. And they're like, okay like i guess we're just gonna do it then because we lost our memories when we were kids and we have these weird tattoos on our arms that form gauntlets like okay cool and then like you're off like it's it like <laughs> <laughs> and like you learn some stuff about like the world later on like when you meet like yuna or other npcs and stuff but it's just i don't know like it's too on the nose i guess mm, i sense. i always think about like the story in final fantasy 10 and how titus who's like completely out of his element getting thrown into this and then sort of passively learning about the world and the culture through npcs and stuff i think world of final fantasy could have done that because these characters are not from grimoire and they could have learned about the state of politics um how different city states interact with each other monsters whatever like just meeting people but no it's like oh by the way like you're like Legendary heroes, go do your thing. Like it's really just all right there in the first like fifteen minutes. You're like, okay, like I I get it. Oh I understand. Okay. Yeah. The storytelling is not nuanced. It's not deep. It's it's there.
0: It, it kinda it kinda reminds me a little bit of like Blue Dragon or something like that, where it's like oh, it's a very, oh yes. oh, very yes. basic story. Oh, is thats that is that is that kinda Yeah. Kinda, that, that oh, was okay. a good
1: comparison. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's it, all, it's Blue Dragon. It's like it's, it's, it's the visuals. Like I've got Excuse me. I've got a um a soft spot for Blue Dragon because it's the first HD game I played. Like I bought a three sixty, of course. Excuse me. Um I bought the game home. You're excused. Yes, I am. Uh so <laughs> but you know, I bought an HD TV, I set it up, hit the switch, and I saw an HD for the first time, and it blew my mind how beautiful the game looks, uh compared to the standard definition, go figure. But I knew uh playing it that it wasn't that great. Um and so that's I totally get the wavelength that uh Adam's on. Then, in that case, and you are too, because uh, that that's that makes a lot of sense now.
1: Yeah, it's I don't know. Like, it's hard to discuss a game that you don't feel any one way about because, like, that's kind of how I felt about the Witch's House. Like, it's there, it's it did its job, but like, that's it. <laughs> it didn't do anything else, <laughs> and that's how I feel about Maxima. Like, it's fun i like summoning all the final fantasy characters and it's kind of quirky and cute but it has nothing else to offer
0: oh okay well that's that's disappointing um maybe though i mean I, I hope eventually they'll work on a world of Final fantasy 2 but honestly what would that even be because oh yeah weird. the ending
1: the ending really hints to like a sequel like it's oh. Oh, it's so nomura like it's super nomura oh, like my the God. end yeah that's... it's Someone I gets snorted. <laughs>
2: yeah, I know I've mentioned this in the staff chat, but obviously no one on the podcast has heard this, but this is this is one thing that's really annoyed me about uh, Square Enix recently. And it's happened with both The World Ends With You's uh, Final Remix and World of Final Fantasy Maxima, where it's like, oh, hey, we have ideas for a sequel and we're adding in these cliffhangers to these re-releases for these games that otherwise had relatively, like, Endings that could stand on their own, and you could just like leave it there. And it's like, so you're you're basically ruining the ending for fans to kind of try and get people to buy a game for the potential for a sequel to happen that we don't even know will actually happen.
0: <laughs> it's it's kind of like when we post that article years ago that got picked up by a lot of outlets. That when we asked, um, I think it was I forget it was like the producer or something like that about Kono Trigger for the DS. It's like if enough people buy this. Uh, we'll make a sequel. Uh, but in this case, it's like the end of the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's like, you're not going to believe this. at the. And that's their cliffhanger. And it's like, what if that that never comes? And now you just look like an idiot. And it looks awful. And, and that's the feeling that it, was, it sounds.
2: And then Chrono Trigger, yes. So, like, something close to 5 million units worldwide. And that still wasn't enough to greenlight a sequel.
0: No, I mean, honestly. Apparent, I mean, there was that... When Sakaguchi had that talk uh, two or three years ago, he mentioned that he kept bringing ideas for sequels up to the upper management, but they kept disagreeing with them. And he's like, you know, if, if it wasn't for them, we'd probably have a sequel by this point. And, uh, you know, all these ideas he would pitch that they would kept turning them down until, you know, eventually he did leave Square Enix. So this was like... He said I think it was like around the late nineties when this was going on. So obviously that was before Chrono Trigger DS. Of course he was you know, long gone before that ever came out. But this was around the time of like Chrono Cross. I think it was like around the time that it was just out, and so he was talking about that stuff. So it's clearly like Square Enix doesn't really know know what they're doing. (laughs) That's what I'll say. Um so it's been kinda of, it's been kinda of weird. Uh and but I, I totally get where you're coming from and yeah, that the world ends with you and all that stuff. Like they keep handing out sequels for games, uh when we potentially won't ever get it. And I think we already went into the long discussion last week about where the company is at in terms of having a lot of its big uh having like this this quarter be less successful than last year's quarter, despite the fact that some of the biggest games in their catalogue uh saw a release. Um some of the biggest properties I should say. Uh so then again, uh, I think this would probably lead them to want to do more sequels and remasters and things like that, just because it can help them get the money that they lost out on. So, who knows? I just don't know what a Chrono Cross sequel would look like at this point, honestly. If we're talking about that, like I made the comment before, like how cool would be if um they had uh you know they already got a lot of the the Chrono Trigger team still with them uh they're working on Final Fantasy fourteen, which we'll get to in a moment uh but they also have you know. They can always hire outside people. Like Sakaguchi said, you know, if they ever want me to make another Chrono game or anything like that, I'm always here. So they would get, they can bring in him. Yasumi Matsuno is apparently still like around, hanging around. They can get him on. They get Toby Fox to do the soundtrack. They got Tokyo RPG Factory. I don't know what they're doing, but they can help on developing the game. They still got like quite like some great developers, even if they are, you know, Tabata, of course, left recently. So potentially there's something there. Um, But I think that, you know, if we're talking about remakes, remasters, anything like that, they still have not put out Final Fantasy VII remakes. So who knows? Who knows? And maybe that'll have the cliffhanger again, goddammit. (laughs)
1: Episode 2, play it for our next GACT cameo. Oh my god,
0: I forgot Final Fantasy VII is going to be an episodic game. Oh, i forgot about that part they're and, also
1: gonna put the extended lore in it was like one of the interviews too they were like don't worry like we're gonna have all the shit from crisis core in it and i'm like oh fuck me <sighs>
0: crisis Core <laughs> and dirge of cerberus and
1: <laughs> oh no 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 <laughs> sorry
0: it's gonna happen oh, uh yeah. well, we never got before crisis did we that would have been a nice i
1: played uh, before crisis you did but that yeah i played before crisis i had a phone for that and everything
0: oh my oh yeah you got the what's it what was the uh, service called
1: that they um, had the
0: like dick not Dickmo, but it's like demo <laughs> I, it's I don't i don't
1: remember because it's so old but like yeah it
0: was like the early uh, mid-2000s you,
1: you could yeah you could like play that and like they also had this limited edition like phone for like advent children as well and i also had
0: that i wanted that phone like, when i saw yeah. that because cloud it's it's the one that like rotates sideways when you like it's it's like yeah. a flip phone but it rotates becomes a camera that you would like it's like a video uh video camera that you would shoot this is yeah once again this is like in the mid 2000s well before the iPhone came out so that at that time that, I mean I would still kind of like a flip phone honestly because I thought they always looked pretty awesome uh but you were dedicated. <laughs> you were a dedicated I fan. Just,
1: I don't know. Like, I was like, mom, I want this. And she was like, oh, my kid likes Final Fantasy. I'm going to get that for my kid. Like, my mom still does that. Like, she remembers that I liked Kingdom Hearts when I was, like, 12. So she's like, oh, I, I got this thing from, like, Japan, like, Kingdom Hearts. And I'm like, I don't like Kingdom Hearts anymore, mom. She's like, oh, okay, I guess. Like, it's just, like, one of those things. <laughs> oh, no, it's all I
0: get. I actually had one of those, like, um, Advent Children, the the logo, like, with the wolf that Cloud had, like, on his mm-hmm. on his clothing. I had a, I bought a watch on eBay that had that logo in the middle of it. But I'm allergic to metal, and so I actually... the Not only did the watch start to fade almost immediately and rust away, like, the color almost completely drained from it, I also had, like, a bad rash around my wrist <laughs> for the longest time Aww. afterwards. So don't buy things on eBay if they're not official products, is what I'm saying. Uh, unfortunately, like I think they recently announced some, like, big Kingdom Hearts collaboration from a, a studio... Uh, from a, uh, Store the store yeah yes the, the
1: fashion collaboration looks pretty good everything but axle looks good the axle stuff outside of the jacket looks pretty bad yeah um the but the clothing does expensive. look really nice
0: they look they're ridiculously oh, expensive too but that's living in japan i guess they're willing to pay well, i mean money. like
1: yeah well okay so like i have friends that go to japan to buy like vivian westwood because you can like pay shit off in payments so like they're like oh i'm gonna get my vivian westwood bag like in japan and layaway I'm like, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah <nice>. like <laughs> Like, I guess do that but yeah I mean I, I think the, the fashion like collaboration looks pretty cool I think it looks better than the one they did for 15 at least oh, that was the normal outfits no so. doubt
0: no doubt I do like looking up some of those articles it's like ooh, uh, they spoke to like I think Kotaku's done this a few times where they spoke to like fashion experts to find out what the clothes that characters are wearing to find like real world counterparts to that stuff and I always find that kind of fascinating um, but it's also that kind of clothes that most people can't wear uh, outs- I mean, if uh, they can wear, of course, outside work. But you know, I don't think they accept it as business casual from my work. So I think that <laughs> yeah. I'd be out of luck, uh, unless it's the weekend. So, but that's just how it is. But let's um. Let's get into the news of the week because we've already talked about some of the topics here, and I want to bring it back to something I just mentioned a bit ago, and that's Final Fantasy XIV. So yeah, this is one of the big stories that we were talking about. This weekend is the Final Fantasy XIV Fan Fest being held in, I believe, Las Vegas, like it typically mm-hmm. is? Yes. Las
1: Vegas. Always in Las Vegas and North America.
0: Absolutely. Um, great place, by the way. I don't know if you've ever been, but it's awesome. Um, as long as you don't stay away, you don't like stray far from the strip. But anyway... Uh, yeah, they're, they're, it's still ongoing right now. There's a lot of news coming out of that. And I know, Chasma, you're keeping an eye on things in case something else, uh, any, anything else big gets announced. But let me quickly run down what they announced. And that's the Shadowbringers expansion pack. Uh, so, yeah, after um, after all this time, it's been kind of a gap. Um, I mean, it's actually, we were kind of expecting this news because it's been the required amount of time between expansion packs. that like you'd expect, last year... Saw the release of um, what's it called? What's the expansion? The last expansion pack?
1: Uh, Stormblood, and now it Shadowbringers.
0: Yes, Stormblood was last year. That was when they added the red mage, and so yeah, Shadowbringers
1: and samurai
0: and samurai. That's right. Yeah. Everyone, I, I keep forgetting that, and I think everyone keeps forgetting they added the samurai, which is kind of interesting because they showed a uh, a cool new um, visual arts uh, trailer, uh, a CG trailer for this expansion pack. Um, so this is going to be, uh, a a big release, obviously it's going to be out in summer 2019 and they're calling it version 5.0 which is not as surprising. That's kind of how they've gone. Uh, it says, it, Square Enix is saying that this will take players on new adventures to battle against the threats to the realm as they become warriors of darkness. And so they released this cool teaser trailer with some CG. And what they're saying is that this is actually going to be part of an ongoing project that they're going to be doing, where they're going to release like these CG trailers to make a, an entire movie over the course of uh, future fanfests which I think is a really smart idea to get people to tune in to their their fest like that. Um, But yeah, the the big news coming out of this is besides a lot of the other stuff that they're bringing out, uh, including trust, the trust system, which was in Final Fantasy XI, which will allow you to hire on NPCs to fight alongside you in combat, which was great when you were soloing. Like That was super, super helpful. Um, they uh, are adding the Blue Mage class. Uh, it's not the only class they're going to be adding, but this is the one that they focused on for the big reveal. And uh, Yoshida was talking about how challenging it is to have a class like this. Go figure. Because the whole thing with the Blue Mage is that you have to be attacked with the spell or ability or anything like that in order to learn it and you have to of course defeat the monster in order to retain it and so as you can imagine this can be pretty challenging to have them uh be useful in any other place like with raids and stuff like that and so they had to spend a lot of time working on it now that was the that was the big thing they uh look pretty damn cool <laughs> actually i love the look of the blue mage they've got like this like. Uh, uh, this hat, and a cane, and everything like that, and uh, like there's a little animation that plays whenever you learn the ability. I think that's pretty amazing. Uh, but they also are adding a new game plus feature, which is perfect for those who may have gotten their ass handed to them when they played through the main story of the game before, uh, with their uh, you know trying to level up and grind their characters out. But now they can go back with their maxed out character, whatever they are, uh, to replay the main scenario stories. Um, which is perfect, like new game plus is a great thing to do for that game, because honestly like that's that 's uh, that 's just an excuse to experience that stuff again, or at least you know people who have not played the game in a while to kind of you know recap themselves and find out where everything 's where everything 's at, but another really cool feature, and this is something that they 've been talking today on their letter to the producer that 's uh, the live letter that 's been going on. Is that there's a world visit system which will allow players to travel to other servers on the same data center and interact with them. Uh, so I can only imagine how challenging that whole thing is because before, you know, even early on, like you were locked into that data server, but now it's like gotten to the point where they allow players to switch data servers if they care with their characters. And now you can just straight up go to the other places and jump back, um, no problem. And I think it's supposed to be kind of near instantaneous. So that's pretty, pretty amazing that they're able to pull that off. I imagine there'll be some hiccups early (laughs) when they try to, you know, stress test that stuff, but I think that's still pretty great. And so, Kazuma, obviously, since you're the Resident Final Fantasy XIV expert on this, why don't you talk a little bit more, to us a little bit more about this expansion pack and what we can expect in patch 4.5.
1: So, I'm going to start with the CGI trailer and you mentioned that they'll be showing more CGI trailers throughout every FanFest, so... They do show CGI trailers at every fan fest, just in general. But it's usually like, here's like the first like 30 seconds of it, and then the next minute of it comes at like the European fan fest. So this trailer shows the Warrior of Light from 1.0, like it's the same character, and like all of his different jobs with the expansions. So Archer 1.0, Warrior um, 2.0, Dragoon 3.0, Samurai 4.0, Samurai and Monk 4.0. And now Dark Knight in 5.0 looks so cool. So it
0: looks really cool. yeah, it
1: looks really awesome. Uh, Dark Knight was actually introduced in Heaven's Ward, and I think it's really cool that they're like, oh, now you're going to be a Dark Knight, cause you're going to be a Warrior of Darkness, because it's really cool. And the Dark Knight storyline is arguably the best job storyline in 14 for anyone that. who is playing 14. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Like, okay, like I'll be honest, like in five point not five sorry, four um Stormblood, I really didn't like the story in that. It's pretty lackluster in my opinion. And the job story for Dark Knight was pretty bad up until like the last quest and I thought I was gonna lose my mind. Like it was so good at the end. I was just, oh wow, it was really good. Anyways, <laughs> good, good. play Dark Knight, even if you're bad at tanking, like just give it a shot. It's worth it, I promise. Just for the Dark Knight storyline. Um, regarding the world uh, transfer ser- uh, system that's going to be coming up, um, they're actually splitting um, the North American servers into three different data centers now and Europe into two. They've already decided what uh, servers will be on each data center, and I'll go ahead and read that out for anyone who's interested in that. So Aether is being redistributed into Animantois, Cactar, Fairy, Gilgamesh, Genova, Midgard, solmer Sargentanus and Siren. Primal is Behemoth, Excalibur, Exodus, Famfrit, Hyperion, Lamia, Leviathan, and Ultros. And Chris will be Balmung, Brynhildr, Coral, Diablos, Goblin, Malbro, Matthias, and Zalera. And the moment they announced that they were going to be splitting these data centers, everyone was like, oh, yeah, they're definitely going to take Balmung off of the server with Gilgamesh because it's a huge, both of those are huge traffic servers.
0: Oh, yeah. I think I'm um, on Balmung, so. Balmung or Balmung, but yeah. Bahamut, I, I yeah. No, on, you're on, uh, I think you're
1: on Sergeant Tannis. You told me you were on Sergeant Tannis, which is another legacy server.
2: I think I'm on Leviathan. Yeah.
1: Oh, you're on You're on the same data center as I am. I'm, I'm on Ultros. Um, oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and like some people are like, really happy about this. Other people are like, wow, like my static just got split up. Um, and everything. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Uh, that just but sucks. they're once again offering people that if you're on a high-traffic server, they will give you a free transfer off of that server, and you can like transfer all your money and all your items and stuff, not your house, unfortunately. You will mm-hmm. get the money back from your house. But to leave that server and go somewhere else, because Gilgamesh, Balmung, they're just yeah, hugely overpopulated, like extremely overpopulated. I think Leviathan oh, yeah. is... Um, regarding the blue mage class, it is a limited job. I think you mentioned that, yes. and it's actually designed for solo play.
0: That um, that makes sense because that's like yeah. that's when they mentioned it. I think they said something like, you know, there was like a level cap, like the with the black mage, and they said it was pretty much going to be a side. I mean, uh, it was implied that it was going to be more of a side class, not a traditional like a staple class you would use in a raid or anything.
1: Yeah. Um. Actually, someone had asked Yoshida like what his like whole process was like doing this. And he said that Blue Mage's playstyle is not suited for, you know, just, like, I guess, like, raid content. If a Blue Mage joins a party and doesn't have a certain skill, they might be kicked for not having, like, what the party needs or expects uh. Or, uh, regarding the meta. And they want to provide the players, um, like, the experience to learn skills as a Blue Mage and, like, enjoy the class. And this is why they're having, like, a completely different, like, series of, like, quests and stuff for, like, people to, like, co-op in and everything. Um just because they want to make it more accessible because with any mmo you get people that are like hey i don't want x class in my raid comp because that doesn't do the most optimal amount of damage they can't be here and i think they really realize that yeah like, makes um, sense. just with all of that um that was
0: the same in 11 is that blue mage nearly never took part in like the big the big um, battles and everything like that they were pretty much left to the side like that was strictly for solo play you would use the trust system and mm-hmm. that makes more sense i do like the fact though at least with the blue mage based on that live letters that they're talking about how blue mages will be able to earn more experience upon defeating enemies uh, because <laughs> the duty roulette is not available as a leveling option for them so i think that's important for them
1: yeah, it's extremely important. And with the trust system, Like now that you mentioned that, that's really good for blue mages. Oh, yeah. like, that's really great. So I'm actually glad they added that system. They also announced their new 4.5 East raid, uh, the return to Orban Monastery. Ooh. And the Balthier outfit is a reward.
0: For <laughs> I saw that. Raid. That's awesome. But it's
1: only going to be for archers and machinists, probably. Oh, which I have I'm
0: both leveled mages. up. <laughs> Anything like that? Oh, no. okay. <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> I'm expecting to fight Ultima in that boss if we're gonna go to the monastery or like see St. Ajora or something for tactics.
0: Um, no doubt. Ultima's gotta be there for because that that's yeah. it, that make that makes more sense for them. But I would love to see I would love to see that too. <laughs> so
1: Yeah. They also announced the new trial, uh Seiryu, the wreath of snakes, um, as part of the Tenzin story. Um just their take on like the four beasts myth. Um and that—that's oh. basically the live load today that was going on. Addition, like in addition to like everything you've said.
0: But, yeah, I—I uh, I just want to quickly mention that they have confirmed you don't need to buy Shadowbrainers to get the Blue Mage. That's available on the base game of World Yeah, Born, it's in 4.5. So, yes. Yeah,
1: it's going to be available in January because January is when 4.5 is coming out.
0: Ooh, okay. All right. Sweet. I I didn't know that it was going to be that soon. That's awesome. I am. I yeah. give me a more of a reason to get back into that game after I'm done with Persona. I was playing 14 for a bit there um, through the the free trial that's available up to level 35. Um, so people want to play that game. That's it's free to play up to that level. So you have a reason to check it out. Um, uh, <laughs> outside of like bandwidth costs, I guess the only limiter for people like that. But yeah, it's I. I really want to get back to this game because just like that's the great thing about these these uh, fanfests. I mean, they do what they're intended to do and their and their live letters is that they get people excited that may have not either played the game before or um have and want to get back into it cuz you know, as for me, my issue was that I played nearly nearly 10 years of Final Fantasy XI. You know, I spent so much time in that game. But because uh, the content had ran its course, and it was getting to the point when they were just, you know, releasing those little patch updates uh, for eleven, that I ran into the problem where, like, I was mostly not playing the game. Like, I was spending the monthly subscription fee, but I was not really playing it that much. And so I felt like mm-hmm. it was becoming a drain on my wallet. And I was a college student, so that would also be a good reason not to... Uh, to, to another good reason to want to cancel my subscription and after that uh it was really hard for me to get into mmos like i played the beta for 14 and maxed out my character from that um but i haven't played it since then but it, i think that the good way to approach this at least this is my opinion um this is how i'm going to approach it is that if you just spend the one monthly subscription fee like that month and get through the main store the scenario content and then maybe for another month get through the rest of that you're spending maybe like you know Whatever the cost of the online expansions and everything like that, like since it's Black Friday, it's actually a really good time because all those expansions are on sale right now. Um, I don't remember if the Black Friday. Actually, I I should look this up real quick. Is that I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that it's also on sale on the uh, on the PlayStation Network through their Black Friday sale. I'm gonna look this up real quick just in case. But um, while I'm doing that, I know you
1: also mentioned. Oh oh, yeah. Okay. Also, know you mentioned that in the staff chat that you had a problem leveling up like you weren't having enough experience so the story kind of halted for you oh that yes. isn't an issue anymore they actually boost experience from quest so that never happens anymore. oh my
0: god thank goodness yeah. and i i do want to confirm that yes the online complete edition uh the bundle of that um wait what's the, what's the difference between these two there's one that's like 30 bucks and there's one that's uh 50 bucks i'm sorry there's they're on sale i will confirm that the final fantasy 14 the games and they on the expansion packs they are on sale right now um i'm trying to find out why oh there's a collector's edition that's right because i think you probably get like a mount or something like that yeah you um, get a
1: mount and a minion and some cosmetic item
0: <laughs> no thanks <laughs> uh but yeah the uh, the complete edition which is 30 bucks right now half off uh it comes with uh heaven's word and Stormblood, and so i mean that's right there. You know, you can get, get those expansions right, right then and there. Um, and get prepared for, for those games, uh, for the, for the January update and everything like that. So I think that's actually probably the perfect way to get into it right now. Uh, but yeah, just outside of that, you just buy that expansion. You get a month with that, with that service. You can get through, uh, I know Adam, my, my brother, he got through the main scenario inside the month that he first subscribed to it. And then he moved on, of course, to the other expansions. But, you know, And this is something Yoshida even himself said he was okay uh, with—that people would just come back for the expansion, get that done, and then move away again. So it's like as long as they're like experiencing the content, I think that that's good enough. But yeah, I think if I approach it that way, I'd be more happy to, you know play a lot of 14 because i know another person on our staff aaron she's been subscribed to that game since it first came out (laughs) i just can't imagine spending that kind of money uh but for people like me who are a little more frugal about things i think that's probably the best way to go about it but man shadow brainers looks really cool and that cg trailer is so hype it's so cool i love that stuff and they're still like the at the top of their game for that stuff
1: no i think it looks pretty good i mean like
0: You're not it has a
1: lot of like it has a different tone from like the other trailers so no, gotta, definitely like, true. it's not like myself but like it's cool like again i really like seeing dark knight being acknowledged because dark Knight's like my favorite tank class um so i'm like wow this is really awesome Fancred's there he looks like dante but like that's whatever <laughs> he, does, um, he does he does <laughs> tony was bullying me for that like <laughs> damn tony come on come um
0: on. oh yeah he's tony's a joke anyway yeah. but i mean tony's it's great. it's yeah I mean it's uh oh yeah he's he's the person who runs the Novik on um, Twitter account so he's the one covering it right now so Tony's been a good guy um always has been uh, but yeah it's good that expansion like I mentioned before is gonna be out next summer, so that's plenty of time for people to experience the other parts of fourteen if they haven't already uh and and you know level up the characters to get prepared for that content because um, right now there's not a whole lot else and that's like if, that I know of that's announced for next summer so that'll be a really good time to be playing that game so I'm, I'm...
1: yeah it's a it's a really good time sync um, a realm of Born's kind of long but there's actually less story quests in Heavensward than are a realm of born and less story quests in Stormblood than there are in Heavensward so the story is kind of getting shorter and shorter as like each expansion releases and they focus on like End game content and whatnot and like rating. So for anyone that just wants to speed through the story, like trust me, it's totally possible. I think I beat a Born in like a week and then Heavens Warden in like a day and then <laughs> oh, a day. Okay. A day. That's like encouraging. Tr- trust me, like when I when I get into MMOs, I really get into them, okay? Yes. Um But yeah, it's it's really not too bad. And they also have level jumps in case if you really don't care about the story but you have friends that want to play with you, you can buy a level jump for I think like I think like twenty, twenty five dollars, and then a story jump for like twenty five to get through Heaven's Ward and get right into Stormblood. Oh wow! Um, Yeah, and it's really nice. Like, it's I think it's better than going through a realm of dawn because you could always go back to like an inn and they have like. This book you can look at at the desk, yes. and you can watch all the cutscenes yes. again.
0: or YouTube. You know the trailer. People are putting entire movies together, hours of of uh, the cutscenes together. Even one point oh, like you can go back and watch the one point if you so desire, because that was probably the only good part about one point Really, as someone who played it, the end. Um,
1: yeah, yes. Yeah, the oh, end. it was the only good part.
0: We talked about Daldimud. That shit is was so insane. uh It recently, like, um. Final Fantasy point 1.0 recently had its birthday and I shared the stuff that happened during the end of 1.0 with the Fall of Dalamood and uh, all the stuff that was happening in the cities where they were releasing seeing the, uh, the notorious monsters and everything like that in the cities themselves to have people fight and you were just seeing them roam around the, on the streets while you're hiding out inside of the different buildings with NPCs and just seeing it happen and front of you. That was so amazing and that's like that's like kind of the, the gist of you know um, when uh, mmos are closing that they just do some really crazy shit like matrix online did some crazy stuff um Asheron's call did that it's just it's just amazing what they what they do when they have all these resources and they just want people to have fun star wars galaxies i remember having a good time but you know it's it just goes to show that uh, i i love that even if with all this uncertainty around square enix Final Fantasy fourteen so far has continued to stay the course, even if you know some people are, you know, a little more critical with some of the more recent stuff they've been doing. Um, and uh, as you mentioned with like the story stuff, it's like for the most part, you know, they've been pretty good about about continuing to give people a reason to spend that monthly subscription fee, regardless of all that stuff happening. And for the most part, I think that's part of the reason Square Enix has been able to stay afloat for so long is because they have for like 14? this, yes, yeah. this steady income. But yes, uh, I'm just one last refresh on the Nova Cristalus stuff. Um, oh, yeah, it's just more about the Blue Mage stuff, about yeah, you don't need to be hit.
1: Stuff, yeah. If you guys want to check out more information, check out the Nova Cristalus Twitter. Tony's tweeting about it. And he yes. has a really great comprehensive tweet chain about everything they've been talking about on the most recent live letter
0: yes and i'm sure they'll you know gather it up into an article and we'll of course share that as well but it's nova underscore cristalis tony's always really great about that he's super addicted to the games so yeah if you want somebody who knows their shit he is one of them and Casmo, of course you too and i'm very appreciated having you discuss that with us because it once again hearing other people be so excited about 14 makes me really want to play it some more so i need to Hopefully not get pulled into the the vortex that is fourteen like so many other staff Trust members. Me, when
1: it gets when it gets its claws into you, it really does. Like it took me a while to break away from it. Like it was, oof. I was playing it like every day. Oh
2: my god! I need three sub. That's eleven. Uh. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. If you if you guys want to level, you let me know because oh. like I have a max level white mage tank like oh. dark knight
0: okay yes and i my uh, my brother he was on the podcast before talking about that cool roguelike dungeon thing that that you you know you'd level up your character that way
1: no deep deep dungeon no it's not good it's fun at first and then you're just like well it's time to go back into the deep dungeon
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like dungeon callers though i'm a sucker for those i don't know (laughs) i like those
1: you trust me when you when you play it enough to like completely level a class from one to 70 then we can talk,
0: oh, I think Adam then, uh he yeah. did level up a lot of his classes, but maybe for maybe in some for some people it's that the novelty wore off pretty quick um from Ooh, like a lot of the classic luck to it well uh, on that note, let's go ahead and move on from that topic obviously if any anything else breaking is shared, we'll be sure to talk about it because we have our phones out for that stuff. Let's talk about another piece of news here. uh we already mentioned that. Uh, They're looking into localizing Lost Ark. This was just mentioned as an aside. There's no timetable for it or anything like that. I imagine they're trying to make sure it actually launches properly in in Korea. Um, But it's still very reassuring that they're doing that. I mean, it's a very Western-looking game, so I'd be shocked if they don't localize it because so many others of its kind have been brought over in any case. But the other game uh, that was announced... Is Sinnoh Alice, which is that uh, Yokotaro creative director? He is the creative director on this game. It's a mobile game um, that was in development. It was released in Japan uh, sometime last year. And uh, yeah, it's it just inspired by a lot of different fairy tales. Like uh, They have Cinderella, they have Red Riding Hood, uh, uh, just a lot of different characters. I'm, I'm blanking on some of them right now. But anyway. Um, from what I heard, though, and this is something that I don't know, Kazuma, if you've ever played Sino Alice at all, uh, James, I don't know either. But th- I think the the people, what people said about these games, that the art looks cool, the music is great because it's Kiichi Okabe uh, who's done the music for uh, near near Dragon Guard Three, a lot of Yokotara games, obviously, and that's about it. <laughs> like the gameplay is very generic in terms of like you know you. It's like almost like an action based system and you it's you roll for weapons, not characters. And so it's mostly just, you know, the the stats and the weapons define the character's abilities. The gameplay itself is kind of, you know, it's it's pretty bland, all things considered. So I don't know why. Oh, you haven't.
1: No, I haven't. I mean, I have it with Yakuza, and that comes out next week.
0: <laughs> yes, so... it does. And
1: I just got into Fate, so, like, I don't... I.
0: Oh, no, you've gotten into Fate. Complete blinders. That's still... That's a problem.
1: It's, uh, bad. It's, it's, bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad. I ordered my first acrylic standee. You'd be proud of me. Oh,
0: I don't know about that. <laughs> those acrylic standees. I've seen those in person. They're... Oh,
1: well, no, it's, it's the limited Kukulin waiter one that just got announced, so, yeah. It's
0: rip your wallet
1: Any, anyways yeah um <laughs> don't don't play mobile games kids it's bad
0: no no no, no. <laughs> uh, i i just want to mention that it's it's kind of interesting that they're localizing that game um, but you know for what it's worth uh like i said the soundtrack is amazing for, uh, from i've actually listened to the music on the side uh i think josh played played some of it um yeah it's going to be kind of interesting to see what kind of success it'll have uh but you know it'd be interesting to see what 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 people will think um i continue to play dragalia lost and green blue fantasy so i don't really have room to talk when it comes to mobile games funny enough looking on my phone i still have we were talking about sakaguchi before i still have Terra battle 2 installed even if that shut down in september just so i can remember my remind myself um this might be a little controversial, but people I think it was like when Tabata left, everyone's like, you know, we hire Sakaguchi, so he can make great games. It's like, guys, Sakaguchi Terra hasn't made up good for like 6 months? Yes. Sakaguchi <laughs> and then it was gone. Yeah, oh yeah, it was it was not that long. It was like it was a year. It was just over a year and Japan it shut down just after that. Um they're still planning on releasing Terror Wars. Sakaguchi hasn't really made a good game in a long time, guys. That's what I'm going to say. Because Terra Bottle 1 wasn't that good. Terra Bottle 2 wasn't that good. He put out that surfing game. That wasn't that good. Terror Wars looks awful. A lot of the good games he's put out have been co-developed with other developers, like AO Interactive and such. I don't know if Sakaguchi still got it. I can be optimistic. Uh, I I can try to be optimistic as I want. Maybe he serves better as a producer. Lost Odyssey, of course, was a great game. Talked about how Blue Dragon wasn't that great, but you know.
1: Lost Odyssey aged really badly. Oh, I, like, I it's, heard. It's it's good in my memory for me personally, but then when I went to replay it, I was like, oh no, and I had to like turn it off like halfway through.
0: I think only the writing is really good. Otherwise, well, I should say not all the writing. Uh, just a lot of the uh yeah. the the memories and stuff like that. The the book those
1: weren't even written by him. Those were written by a Japanese novelist. Yes, that, it was. That was
0: cool <laughs> it was. Like, imp-
1: like everything that's not related to like his storytelling conventions is really good because like when it starts getting wrapped up in things that he feels are necessary to his story that's when it gets bad
0: i, I and- don't know i don't know i don't know i don't know it's uh, i imagine with the right budget and everything like that it could be interesting but um walker i am surprised that they instill a float to be honest because with all the stuff they've been going through lately I don't know where they're getting their money from. I imagine it's outside investors who you know believe in Sakaguchi and all. Um, and I love him for for what uh, you know how important he was to my childhood. But when people were call, calling for Sakaguchi to come back, like I said, when Tsubata left, or at least putting some of these franchises to, to him to work on these games, I don't know. It's like it's 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 kind of difficult to imagine a scenario where that would be successful. But. We'll, We'll see. Maybe it'll turn things around. Terror Wars, I don't think it's going to be it. Um, seeing that, like the a character from Terror Battle 2, for example, and that Final Fantasy 15 update, that was weird. Because, <laughs> like, that game's dead. <laughs> uh, she'll be in Terror Wars, I imagine, too. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. That, Terror Battle 2 sucked. I played the game, and it was trying too hard to be with it. <laughs> uh, like, a lot of, like, you know, like, slaying and lame jokes and shit it just wasn't good like i i kind of fell apart on that game after a while so i was just logging in because i love the art and that you know the art won't make the game perfect so anyway that
1: was our dragging sakaguchi hour with yeah
0: (laughs) you know we gotta drag something every podcast and you know (laughs) as someone who's who's you know grew up playing these games it's like obviously he made some of the best games of all time huge chrono trigger Parasite Eve, you know, Final Fantasy IX, obviously a huge-ass game. I love those games so much. Actually, I want to ask also, with the Ivalice stuff, I imagine Yasumi Matsuno is working on that stuff still?
1: Who? I uh, said so you broke up.
0: Oh. Yasumi Matsuno, is he still working on the Ivalice stuff for fourteen with the patches?
1: Um, I'm not sure, actually, because like, that actually wasn't mentioned, but I'm going to oh. assume that he was, like... He's still, like, a collaborator on it. Yeah. I know the SMT, like, Illustrator was only a collaborator on, like the second no the first one okay yeah because you fight okay yeah the first one the first raid yes the SMT. yeah and then i think yeah because they're like heavily sampling from evil Lease because they're planning on introducing a new race to 14 that's not really new it's really familiar to anyone who's played 12 but it's really heavily implied that it's the viera and everything Ooh. from Fanfest, by the way that's been announced was part of a leak that came out like Six months ago, about what would be like released for oh. FanFest in fourteen, right. and everything is correct. So yeah. Mm. Anyways, b- back to uh, mobile games, you know, Alice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just want to <laughs> mention that if people want to see a great reaction, Yoshida during the Q and A for fan- for Final Fantasy fourteen it was at, someone who was asked like, "What if we were able to do like mixed races or something like that?" And Yoshida's reaction to that is priceless. I think the Novo uh Twitter has got that. It is going to be probably a meme, a meme for a while. So uh, he you can tell. Does this
1: every fan fest, though, Q and A sucks fans. at he panels.
0: <laughs> I hate Q and A. It's always people like like <clears throat> crashing questions about things that are nearly impossible to happen, and it's you know. Uh, but I just wanted to... Be, uh, the reason I mentioned Matsuno is because I th- still think he can make a great tactics game, and I hope that uh, that. Opens the way for something. Cause that's an example of someone like I still have a lot of respect for, and he still put out some great stuff since he was he left Square Enix. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, the other piece of news we've got here is that um, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim has been delayed indefinitely. And they also mentioned that the Vita version has been axed which is not surprising because you know like by the time they would eventually put this game out there's no longer you know the vita market is pretty much dropped out completely if it hasn't already um because sony is of course stopping the support of physical games this spring other than someone who maybe i think even like limited a limited run games saying like that's going to be it for them as well so i guess there's just not gonna be any support whatsoever um that doesn't mean of course digital games won't still come out long after march but it just looks like that's you know that mark it's not there anymore and now it's potentially oh. it could probably come to the switch perhaps i don't know if it's a, it's 13 sentinels that's actually, not a what? sorry go ahead
2: i actually didn't put it down on the uh document but um that reminds me of the comment that uh, PCube made in regards to why they're completely axing their vita support inclu- including uh, digital only releases
0: Oh, they put out a weird comment about how it's like the bird and a gun or something like that. What did they say? Um, they said,
2: the Switch is like a well-trained sniper, and in their sights is a, a flightless bird, and that bird is the Vita.
0: Oh, you can tell they do not want to work with Sony anymore. <laughs> That's...
2: I mean, can you blame them after what happened with the Labyrinth?
0: Yes. I cannot blame them, I should say. Uh, because... And now there's... There's been a lot of speculation. I know, James, you've commented on this, that people were just assuming that because 13 Sentinels uh, has been delayed, people assumed that it was because of Sony's new censorship policy. Because, of course, if you've played a VanillaWare game before, you know there's been a lot of fan service in those games. I know, Kazma, you know that because you you reviewed Dragon's Crown Pro. So, yeah, there's a lot of that. But... I mean, it's all in context, is that we have barely seen anything with 13 Sentinels. I mean, the last time we saw it was TGS 2017. They put out a new trailer, but that was it. It wasn't like there was a lot of gameplay, it was just some of the students running around with some very basic look at what potentially could be there, but it was like the adventure aspects. So we still don't know what it is, and the fact that we're in November, and that game was originally supposed to be in a 2018 game, there was no doubt that that game was going to be delayed. Like That was was just common sense, because they haven't advertised anything regarding it, they haven't marketed anything about it, they haven't put out even some concept art, Uh, so... It's, it would only make sense that they've gone ahead and delayed that game, as they put, indefinitely. Um, I assume it's, good, it's still going to be a PS4 title, unless Sony announces a PS5 in 2020 or something like that, and they decide they want to put their game on that platform instead. But Considering
2: this is the same company that also... Odin Sphere Live on PS3 as well as PS4 and beta. I I don't think anyone should be worried about whether or not this one is going to come to PS4.
0: Yeah, and uh, Dragon's Crown Pro, of course. It, they've only put out remasters this generation, which is kind of a kind of a shame. Uh, yeah. Thirteen Sentinels is supposed to be their big PS4 game, but they haven't put that out yet, and that's been. I do think it's years. possible
2: that it will come to Switch. I mean, people said, <laughs> "Oh, they only release games early on Sony platforms," but well. I mean, Muramasa was originally a Wii title, so yeah, that's that doesn't. And I'm sure, can, I'm sure the Switch will be able to run Thirteen Sentinels because their games are beautiful, but they're not exactly games that are really hard to run because the Vita version of Odin's for Zero I was expecting to run pretty poorly, but it actually ran well i feel like the reason why the vita version of this was canceled wasn't because it wouldn't run on the system but rather they knew by the time the game was finished they just would not be able to actually release it on that platform
0: yeah that's and considering that the market for the switch is still so dominant right now like at least the mind share for the platform is so dominant right now it would only make sense that they want to take advantage of that maybe they delayed it so that they can also run development on the switch as well That's just pure speculation. We don't have any kind of word on that, but that might be part of the reason for that too. But also, even if their games are 2D, uh, there's a lot of systems going on at play beneath the surface for vanillaware games like that's it takes a lot of operating for them to do that um and i really still am very excited to see whatever that game happens to be because it looks amazing and it's high school students fighting giant mechs and that's straight up anime and i love it <laughs> so i'm all for that uh whatever it happens to be i just hope it doesn't end up being like a grand Knights history kind of thing where it just kind of goes away <laughs> so hopefully we get something about that But let's talk about, uh, let's get to the next piece of news here. Something that uh, we were talking before about how 2019 could be uh, an important year for the industry in terms of what it potentially could be uh, for these announcements. And one of them happens to be that um, Microsoft is reportedly looking at releasing a diskless version of the Xbox One. So uh, this is something that, you know... It's been kind of hinted at before. I mean, Sony, for example, I mean, PSP Go, thats that was exactly what that was supposed to be. It was trying to make a digital only platform. And you talk about, like, the Wii Mini. That's also the case, although that was no one should buy the Canadian Wii. Uh, that was just a bad system, all, all ends considered. But yeah, there's been months uh, where, uh, you know, if we're talking about back when the Xbox One was first revealed, people were concerned because they were thinking about blocking used games in some capacity. You know, having a fee if it, it's just to do a different system. So at the time, I imagine like they probably had this uh thought. I think even like the 360, there was like word about there would be like a budget 360 that would come out that would be digital only. But because I think with the backlash that was going on, Microsoft probably said, you know, what? we're not going to put that out because I think that we can't do with more bad pu- publicity <laughs> for our, for a our company. And so we they had to put like all their focus on recovering from that with their xbox one i think even like michael pacto talked about that too at some point in any case now it's the xbox one is potentially going to happen there so i i mean i'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on the potential of a digital only platform in my opinion as someone who like you know I still think physical copies are very important for you know the future of, of the industry because for example Telltale Games closed their business, they've gone bankrupt and they've delisted all their games from Steam. So there's no way to play some of these adventure games that were so well regarded um, anymore. So if unless you have a physical copy of some of these games, you can still play them. But a digital only platform, it's kind of what. It's kind of, I mean, that's just what PC is nowadays. You know, you you don't really have p- uh, computers coming with disk drives anymore. Um, even Xbox One discs, for the most part, it's like you pop in or even... PS4 disc, it's like, it's mostly just popping in a disc and downloading a massive update that's supposed to fill in the rest of the data. Like, I think that, that spiral uh, oh, wow. collection that came out recently, I don't know what that sound was. That spiral collection that came out recently, it, it's like, I think you popped the, Actually, Fallout 76 is a better example. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> it's like 250, yeah, 250 or 270 megabytes. megabytes. Yes, and then it's a 50 gigabyte Patch that's supposed to fill in the rest of that. So right now, people complaining about you know the potential of like I, I totally get it for bandwidth reasons because a lot of people still do with bandwidth caps, which should not be around in this day and age. It's really shit. Um, but that's kind of the direction that we're heading to, the, like this digital future. And so it's kind of hard to say. Like I I personally am not f- thrilled about the idea, but I totally get it from a marketing side because that's just how things are right now. It's like everything's available digitally. If, if people were able to, like, preload their games earlier or something like that, like, they totally would. People buy special editions just to play games early as it is. Uh, and so to have it purely digital, I think PSP Go was way ahead of its time. I think now might be a, a decent time to think about putting that out. And it's not like, say, for example, like, the Xbox, the next Xbox if that was only digital, that would be a big problem. I think it's just because we're not ready for that. But if you have the option between the Xbox One that's already out uh, versus buying an Xbox One digital only system that's like a hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars, I think that's that potentially could work. You know, PSP is was never going to work out. I don't think because that by the time the PSP Go came out, people kind of already moved on. But what do you think about a system like this, James? I'm
2: of two minds of this because one, and I think this is something that we should all consider as reviewers. Most of the review copies we get are digital. So regardless of our personal preferences for how we like to consume games, like whether it's a physical copy or a digital copy or whatnot, for the most part, that decision if we're reviewing something is made for us and we get accustomed to that. Like on Vita, I have like 50, well, 50 something physical Vita games don't know the exact number which is sad (laughs) it's a ton (laughs) but um i have so many digital games because of like over the years i've had a bunch of like review copies and honestly at this point i don't remember every single game i've reviewed on vita yeah (laughs) but um there's that, but I'm always going to be a proponent for uh, physical copies because of what you outlined in regards to like the telltale situation is a great example of why physical copies should still be a thing. I'm the type of person that partly because you can actually get a lot of PC games cheaper. If you go for the quote unquote physical release that most of the time is just the code in the box now, but um, I'll even buy stuff like uh, when I read it through Minako, echo, I got the manga gamer physical release at anime expo. Uh, a few years ago, when I went to when I wanted to play through a blur and um, split second, I got the physical copies because they were cheap on Amazon, like seven bucks a pop. Um, when I got Final Fantasy fourteen, I got the physical copy of Stormblood because that was cheaper and whatnot. Um, I don't want digital only to become a thing, but I do understand how if it was just an option that might be good. And I can see how Microsoft especially might want to go down that path, especially with the uh, rumors that their next-gen console might have a separate streaming-only box as well, in which case, obviously, that wouldn't have a disk drive.
0: So remind me for a bit, um, this is something I was thinking about while we were talking just for a second there um for the playstation tv or the vita tv they had um like a trade-in program or i think it was like a trading program or some kind of program where like if you bought the game before you could was it you can trade it in for a digital code? I'm trying to remember what was. Oh no, the- you're
2: thi- you're, think- you're thinking about the Japan only um, PSP to Vita digital download system. Yes. Uh, basically, there was an option to get a discount on a digital copy if you had a program downloaded on your PSP that would read the disc in your system, sync it up with the PlayStation Network servers, and then you would have a discount to buy that same game if it was available digitally at a discounted rate.
0: So that's the thing that was mentioned in the article when this, with this report, Theret, uh, where they basically said that there would be a program where users would be able to take in a physical Xbox One game and trade it in for a digital download in their Xbox Live account. So that's their way of being able to like take all their you know all their games, the physical games, and still be able to enjoy it on a different system, despite the fact there's no disc drive. So I
2: like to mention yeah. that uh, when the Xbox One was first for unveiled, and they were talking about how it was going to be digital then, then um, well, not digital only, but because it still technically had physical copies. But you know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things they said in regards to the online check is, oh, this is better because if you want to get a digital copy, you can just go to a retailer and you can exchange it to get a digital copy and stuff like that.
0: Yes. Uh, I do also remember...
2: That actually was originally part of their plan for the Xbox One and something I've noticed, and they've definitely been a lot smarter about it, but a lot of what the original Xbox One's plans were, have actually gradually been added to the Xbox One just in ways that are a bit more advan- advantageous to the consumer like stuff like Game Pass stuff like being able to um um like what they're saying right now um trade in a game and get a digital copy of a game potentially it it it, it reminds I'm definitely me. Definitely
0: noticing that. It reminds me of a comment. I think it was uh, Adam Orth, I believe, uh, when there was reports coming around the Xbox One that it was supposed to be always online. Speaking of which, uh, you would all- require like a constant online connection to run any games, and that's how they would do the bounce on the check to make sure that it was legitimate. I think it said, you know, it was basically, you know, for them, it was just deal with it uh every device is that's the world that we live in where everything's online see that's why it definitely won't work if it's a brand new system and it's like that's like the only way forward is a digital only platform like that i think that would you know that honestly right now that would kind of kill microsoft if they try to go to the next generation like that but for this other part it might be working but kazima what what would you think about a, uh, a system like this nah nah
1: Nah. So, like, here's something that I've really had to consider recently. And again, like, as a reviewer, we get a lot of our games digitally and for free. And that's part of the privilege of being a reviewer. Now, as a consumer, I'm going to use Diablo as an example because I just bought this game. I got it digitally, right, for like 60 bucks. I could go to GameStop and buy that game used for like half the price because it's been out for so long yes but because that game barely ever goes on sale they can keep it at 60 dollars digitally so buying a game on a digital console is just going to cost more or less if they have the same kind of sales they have on pc which i'm seriously going to doubt that they're going to do so it's a lack of accessibility towards the customer and the client so it's more like if you can afford to have a digital only console like I guess like that's something that you could do, but just with the way that the digital marketplace works on console and how different it is from the PC regarding its sales and how they don't have these flashes where things are like 5 bucks like they are on Steam, I just don't I don't think it's a good idea. I think it's extremely alienating and gaming is already an extremely expensive hobby, so I don't think you make it any more expensive than it already is.
0: No, more options Absolutely. are
2: better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh- like like the physical copies it just comes down to okay with digital download there's no physical space that that download well technically in like the servers out somewhere there's like one origin file but compared to like if you're going to buy a physical release of a game at a store if that store has a certain amount of stock well eventually they just won't be able to hold that game any longer and that's why prices go down with a digital download that doesn't happen (laughs) um I will say that one thing I do think Microsoft has done that might help alleviate that problem is with Game Pass, they rely less on exactly selling games. So they're able to have these sales. Like I've noticed like a lot of Xbox games after a couple of months, you can get them digitally really cheap. And maybe that's because um, Microsoft is focused on services in regards to Game Pass because they're making their money through Game Pass and they can be like hey if you want to buy this game to keep in addition to your game pass I, I, at least if any company were to do it and i'd actually trust them right now ironically probably be microsoft because i've been seeing how their marketplace has been for the last couple of years even yeah. before game pass was a thing but ever since game pass was a thing
0: even more so i will do say you have to
1: pay for game pass yeah. by the way
0: yes but what? it's like five bucks a month
1: Okay, I, I was gonna be like, so you're paying for a service on top of paying for a service, paying for their digital like marketplace, like their online store. No, no, no. Oh, it's like a it's Netflix, a really Netflix program. It's an,
2: yeah, it's a Netflix, and technically you pay ten bucks a month, but they also have deals where you can get like right now you can buy uh, six months, thirty bucks, and that's including all of their upcoming games, which.
0: So it is actually, for me, it's probably one of the best services going on right now because it may not seem like much, but the fact that I could play Forza Horizon 4 the day it came out and there will be other games coming out soon too, for that same price, blows a lot of that, like blows PlayStation Plus away. It'll definitely blow it away soon when they get rid of everything but PS4 games because they said that like Sony's like in February, I think it's February or March, they're they're doing away with the PS3 and Vita games. And they're only going to have PS4 games on that service. And you're still spending the same 60 bucks a year on that on that program. Uh, so, unless they do something to really incentivize it, uh, even like the Nintendo Switch service has still got some work to do. Um, you know, if all you're getting is NES games, really. Uh, but, you know. Hey, Sony. Yeah. It would be nice if you had a dedicated
2: PSVR game each month on PlayStation Plus. That they would do. be nice. I mean, they they do, but they extend. <laughs> oh, no, no, no,
0: no, that's no. the
1: thing, though. No, that's the thing. Like. People want these like VR games or whatever, but like again, it's about accessibility and affordability, and like that's kind of the whole digital-only argument. Like, what you have to consider, like everyone who buys video games, like is everyone going to be able to go out and buy like the digital-only console and then pay the ten bucks on top of it to then add the t- price of another game on top? Or PSVR games? Like, I don't own a PSVR headset because I'm not in a place where I can afford it, so I'll probably never be able to play. PlayStation VR, no matter how cheap it gets. And like, this is literally about like, about like people's like income and how this is a hobby and becoming an increasingly expensive hobby and how companies and corporations are adding services on top about like people's like income and how this is a hobby and becoming an increasingly expensive hobby and how companies and corporations are adding services on top of things where you're probably not going to be able to like buy a cheaper game like a used game for example despite microsoft being like oh we will have a tax for like used games on our console or whatever that thing they were talking about you used to mention earlier but now they're just doing it digitally like it's just i don't think it's fair like i'm sorry like that's just it's not right to me like Can I, say I don't know something? <laughs> yeah
2: your opinion's totally valid but so you're saying you don't want psvr games to be part of the PlayStation Plus lineup because you can't afford a PlayStation no, VR? No, that's
1: not what I said. You said you would like to have PSVR games, right? Like, that would yeah. be make it more worth it to you. But not everyone's going to have PSVR. So the inclusion of a PSVR game would be nice, but that still doesn't justify the price of, like, oh, yeah. the $15. yeah. Okay, games. I agree yeah. there. That, that's I agree what there. I mean. I'm just yeah.
2: saying that if the price is always going to be there, and honestly, at this point, considering it, it is a standard, I don't have much hope it's going to disappear... I'd like there to be a bit more of a spread, especially, especially since we're losing PlayStation 3 and Vita, much like we lost PSP, like, four or five years ago.
1: Aren't they discontinuing, like, service for, like, PS3 and Vita?
2: I don't know if... Well, they're, dis- they're discontinuing a few, like, PS3 servers for games in January or something like that. But I don't know about Vita servers... uh yeah i don't, know yeah, I, don't I don't
1: know if i probably i need to look into like if they're gonna keep supporting those consoles and stuff like with service so yeah yeah
2: again yeah I completely understand like
0: uh well i mean it's i w- i would i will mention that PlayStation Plus, they have included PSVR games sometimes. There's definitely yeah, not, not a not dedicated
2: a game. game. Yeah, it's not something yeah. that, they, that they promise. It's something that every and, now and then they might have. It's not something that's an advertised feature of PlayStation Plus is what I'm trying to say.
0: I mean, it definitely would, uh, of course, encourage people, but at the same time, I'm with Kazma. I have no interest in buying the PlayStation VR after seeing what it's like. Uh, and I also don't really have the space to use it properly in, like, I'm in a room, so it's not really a uh, Feasible for me uh, but also like it, that still would not justify the price of PlayStation Plus if they do away with that stuff like right now like the games that i do want to play are also available on other platforms as well and, and and also like the games that we review like the rpgs that we cover it's like a lot of that stuff is showing up on other platforms and i foresee because of sony's new censorship policy we'll start to see more games show up on the switch and definitely on pc as well and so i don't know how more how much longer i can really support the sony sony platform that i used to be so much in love with um because of these decisions that they're making uh, and their hubris is showing. And that kind of leads us into the next discussion I want to talk about. And that's Sony's decision to pull out of E3 2019. Uh, that was something that they they reported on and they were confirmed to Game Informer that that is definitely their intention. Not only are they going to not have a press conference at E3 next year, they're also not going to have a booth and they're also not going to have an off. Uh, an off-site event similar to like EA play or anything like that. They're completely pulling out and all they said, and they haven't announced anything is that they're exploring other ways to engage with their community uh, in order to, you know, make up for that. But it also sounds like the reason that they're not doing PlayStation experience this year, which is a real damn shame. I was really looking forward to that because I had some friends around here that were looking forward to, you know, all of us hanging it out and checking it out ourselves. Um, they don't have much to show. And that's kind of like what E3 20, 2018, that's what this year was like. They had four games to show. They announced some stuff on the side. Um, but that was, for the most part, they didn't have much to do. It does make it sound like you know they're putting all their resources into the next PlayStation, which makes sense. Uh, potentially, they could announce the next PlayStation sometime next year. Uh, that would not surprise me. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, uh, for me, the more I got to think about that, I think it's kind of a mistake for Sony to be skipping E3 like the way they are. I can imagine downsizing their booth, but having no presence whatsoever. Um, Nintendo still, even if they do their direct, they still have a big booth there. Microsoft, even if they don't have a booth inside of of the E3 hall, they still have this big fan event that's happening at the Microsoft Theater, which is just across the street. So... Unless Digital Devolver takes over that space, I don't know. Like, it's, it's weird to know that there's an E3 coming where they're not going to be there. I mean, it kind of also goes to show that, you know, E3 is not. As relevant as it used to be and that as much as clear like you walk around there this year and uh, james i know you've of course you you've been there a few times and so uh, like mostly it's a bunch of different accessory stores and fortnite and all these other places um you know atlas and Exeed and sega and places like that they have they've got their own boots there ea ubisoft um actually not ea i'm sorry that's clearly not going to be there anymore but ubisoft has got a huge presence there Bandai amco has got a big presence there I'm just kind of surprised Sony's not going to be there because it's a great way not only for them to show off their games, but also the other people, the developers, the partners that they work with. And so I think that the whole opinion surrounding Sony's kind of gone a little downhill. It's like we were talking before about Microsoft and the really bad decisions they were making in 2013. That was when Sony was at their very best. Like you had Jack Tretton, they had uh, Adam Boyce, you know, doing some great things there, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of it's I've been saying this all year, and I and I hate to kind of beat the same drum, and we've been dragging people this this podcast, but I just don't get Sony anymore. You know, like it seems like they've completely lost touch with a lot of the stuff, and I'm not saying like E3 2019, how dare they? It's more just that in In their eyes, like I don't know what Sean Layton is thinking at this point, like what what's going through them, like they're not engaging with the community like they used to. it They feel so distant, you know compared to where they were before. Am I alone in thinking this?
2: um they definitely feel a bit distant, and I do think that them kind of withdrawing from next year's e three might backfire on them because even if a lot of people still really enjoy your playstations and the games that sony has been releasing for it particularly this year i'd say um you can definitely see the overall like enthusiasm for the platform kind of waning in favor of some some of what both nintendo and microsoft are offering and Especially considering how E3 itself has shifted from becoming a press um, press event to more or less a uh, convention with all of these public and I I don't know if them kind of removing themselves from that is a great idea because a lot of these people coming in that are very enthusiastic and are going to talk with their friends about what they experienced at at the show. They're just going. They're going to go there regardless, and they're going to be playing games from Sony. Well, not Sony, obviously. Microsoft, Nintendo, and third parties, and they're going to be talking about those. And they're they're going to be the zeitgeist, not just the week of E3, but also the weeks and months following as people continue to talk about what they played
0: at the show. Yeah, it's it's not a lack of games either. Like Ghost of Tsushima, Dreams, Death Stranding, Last of Us Part Two. They've got games. They just I guess they're tired of talking about them at this point. I don't know. What do you think, Kazma, about this whole thing? Because I want to know your opinion, Um, too.
1: So, like, my opinion on this kind of thing is that if they're pulling out and they don't feel confident in anything they have to show, then, like, okay, they're not going to be there. They don't have anything they feel ready to show. And I can respect that from, like, a consumer standpoint. Like, it'd be more disappointing if they showed up and they had nothing relevant or new to show at, like, the biggest trade show of the year.
2: Yeah.
1: So the fact that they're like, Hey, we're not going to be there because we don't feel like we have enough to show off. Like that's whatever. I don't think it's going to hurt them in any way. Um, Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't personally feel like it will hurt them uh, because it's a more honest approach as opposed to going to a trade show, showing up and then showing 30 seconds of a trailer and be saying, Hey, please look forward to it, to what we're going to show in like, Six months at a different trade show.
0: So, uh, yeah, half after after stage after booth presence last year was a stage. Like, so I totally yeah. get that.
1: So, like, I don't know. Like, I'd rather something concrete, something finished. Um, and I think this is because I'm really jaded as someone who just plays a lot of Square Enix games. It's kind of leaked into how I view a lot of things within the gaming industry as a whole. Like, show me something like when it's like close to being done, and then I'll be happy. <laughs> don't lead me on and don't like tell me something's going to be there and it's not, or hit something's going to be there, whatever, like just be honest. It's whatever.
0: I definitely, yeah, I don't go in 2016,
2: they had a fantastic E3 showing, but ever since then, honestly, I feel like my opinion on that 2016 showing have just soured over the years because we've seen the same games. How many times at, e three from their conference, it's
0: just yeah.
1: exactly, and like if they do that again this year, it's gonna make it worse like
0: I, I, I guess uh, I mean for me, it's that you know Sony's got the world's attention at this point, uh and so like when they don't have everyone's attention it's it's the, one of the biggest marketing opportunities you ever get is being at e three with a booth presence, you know, even if they downsized their booth or had something nearby. I mean, potentially, they, they could just be focused on making a much bigger PlayStation experience in it, like building it up to, like, BlizzCon levels or something. Like, that could be kind of massive and kind of amazing, and it would probably change my opinion for the most part. But they got, you know, it doesn't always have to be about games they are making. It could also be all these other developers they're working with. I think part of the reason I'm kind of bummed out is because they expressed not long ago that they're pretty much done promoting indies and that's that would that from people i know that that's a big bummer because that can fill like all the indies that they put out can fill up their booth and nintendo clearly doesn't care because they're putting out like hundreds of games a week and they barely mention it uh, on their on their like you you'll get like at the the footer of a newsletter <laughs> is where you'll find out all these games are coming out. Uh, so other than their own games, you know that's that that's about as much as they'll get treated. So it just means that other events like Anime Expo, PAX, uh, Gamescom could be a lot bigger as a result of this news because Sony not being there just shows like, you know, the, uh, once again, like you guys were talking about um, just the um, attention for E3 has kind of gone away in terms of having it like a, be a big fan event with their panels and such. So it it also would mean that our site as a whole would start to shift our attention elsewhere too, because E3 is not as big as it used to be. The reason to go there is, dwindling i guess
1: yeah come to gamescom instead it's nice
0: yeah so um let's go ahead and wrap things up i think that at this point it's been kind of it's been kind of nuts so uh let's just explain where you guys can find us (laughs) uh so as always you can find us on rpgsite.net uh we we have a lot of guides on pokemon let's go and fallout 76 so people want to check that out uh you can also find us on RPG site uh, I mean excuse me on Twitter at RPG site. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash RPG net On YouTube.com slash RPG net That's our channel. You can check us out there. You can find us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Just search for TetraCast. Uh and you can also find us on Discord, discord.me slash RPG site. And lastly, I'd like to share where you can find us on Twitter. So where can they find you, Casima?
1: You can find me at justicekazi_ underscore on Twitter, spelled exactly Great. how it sounds.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure they'll find a lot of stuff about yakuza online when it launches uh, next week. Oh so. yeah,
1: absolutely. Write cool guys about it on Twitter.
0: Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I actually might download uh that game myself and give it a try because I'm See, very it's not VPN
1: locked. That's what I'm worried about. Oh, that's
0: right. I will say the art looks amazing, and I wish they used that art for all their other games too because I love that too. the sketch art they did. Uh, James, where can they find you? you? Can find me at the suite at T H E S W W E E T great you can find me at Zach Reese where hopefully I'm not as ranty as I usually am in these podcasts uh but yeah that's it for this edition of the Tetracast thank you Kasbah and James for being a part of this and thank you all out there for listening um next week obviously is mid- midst of a holiday weekend for us in america and so uh i we should still be able to do a podcast um but in case we don't we'll be back in a couple weeks but uh yeah i Uh, appreciate that anyway anyway thanks everyone for listening catch us next week for yet another edition of the tetracast bye everyone